0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 21, Comic Reviews for the week of October the 24th. Welcome once again to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode number 21, as we're looking at the uh, comics that were released on the Wednesday, October the 24th, so we'll be reviewing those. A lot of books this month, or sorry, this week, it was about uh, more than 30, um... As I went through them, just I, because this was obviously is the weekend before Halloween, so a lot of Halloween parties, etc., going on, uh, it was kind of a busy week uh, and weekend, so I didn't really have a chance, unfortunately, to really go through and read every issue as many issues as I would have liked. So I think we still have about 20 reviews for you. So it's gonna be a little bit, a little bit shorter of an episode. Plus, um, my uh, my semi my semi regular uh, guest for the comic ep- review episodes, uh, my wife Kelly, she unfortunately will not be able to join us for this episode. So it's just me. So it'll be a little sh- shorter as a result. Uh, So let's just get right started. Uh, The first book I'm going to look at is actually, it was technically released October the 17th, but I didn't actually get uh, my my hands on it until a week later. And that, of course, is A-Babies vs. X-Babies number one. Um, I absolutely adored this issue. It's freaking adorable. Um, A lot of comics are... Not always about fun anymore. you got these big epic storylines, very serious. A-babies versus X-babies is just a hell of a good time. Uh, the cover by Scotty Young is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I miss the uh, mini-marvels by Chris Caruso. Oh, I think it's Caruso. Uh, we don't have those anymore, but at least now we have, once in a while, we'll have these Scotty Young pages, uh, sorry, covers, that where he has baby versions of the characters, and they're really adorable and really well done. And now we have an issue uh where we really get the an entire story um about this. So Scotty Young wrote it and uh I guess Guri Hiru uh, did the uh the artwork. And it's uh, really, really fantastic. What's nice about this is that it works on two different levels. It works for adults, and it also works for kids. If you're an adult, you'll love the in jokes, um, the small details, like even Captain America on his uh, on his head. He's got the A, but instead of being a uh, capital A, it's a lowercase A. So there's a lot of little touches here. Um, the fact that the helicopter kind of comes out of the the tub, the power pack is there. Uh, it's just there's a lot of good visual details, um, strong visual cues. Um, but also if you're, a ch- if you were a child, you'd also find this quite entertaining. Uh, there's some weird stuff happening. Uh, Wolverine gets thrown out, out into space and he sees, uh, Galactus with like, basically with like a moon as like a sucker. Um, this is just a really entertaining romp. Uh, I found this was a lot more entertaining than I ever would have thought it could have been. I mean, I had high hopes for this, but it was so adorable. Like the um, there's even a spot with a Storm and Black Panther, and they're like three little hearts around them, just holding hands. Um, it was just really funny. Uh, this is the story is very accurate. It, it just felt appropriate. Um, you know, it's it's the story. I thought actually made more sense here than in AVX in some ways. No, I'm kidding. But no, this was just a lot of fun. Um, if they made more of these probably dilute the uh, the fun, but I was really worried about the artwork, and Where artwork really took me by surprise. Because um, I knew that this would probably be a fun passion project, something that I just kind of did. You know what? People really love Scotty Young's covers. Let's make a whole a whole one-shot about this. I'm glad it's a one-shot, not a mini-series. The artwork is superb. The artist that they chose had um, a different style, but nailed it. And it was just adorable. So this is fantastic. I gave this a 10 out of 10. If it had actually come out this week, I would have called it my favorite pick and my pick of the week, but but as it didn't it is still an excellent book it's worth picking up if you can find a copy um it's just a lot of fun and you can share it with children and they'll love it too uh there's there's no it's just perfect it's pitch perfect in every way that brings us to our next book, which is Amazing Spider-Man number 696. So obviously this book is getting closer to uh, the big 700, and then the relaunch of Superior Spider-Man, which I'm still kind of on the on the uh, fence about, because I'm not sure how, how I feel about that actually happening. I mean, I really like Amazing Spider-Man, and I don't know if I like the idea that, you know, Spider-Man is not going to be Peter Parker, or whatever that means. Um, and it's going to be kind of darker and not friendly neighborhood that kind of makes me sad as well so um but that being said i mean this is a really good issue it reminded me a little bit of um goblin war and the spider-man the animated series during the 90s when you had the green goblin and the hobgoblin facing off but here it's two versions of the hobgoblin you've got the original classic hobgoblin and you've also got the newer hobgoblin by uh, phil yurik um this uh the storyline is written by co-written by slot and gage, and christos gage with artwork by Cameron coley who's definitely uh one of my favorites uh who, He's regularly a contributor to the Amazing Spider Man artwork team. Um, this is just a really good looking issue. Uh there's a few things that really didn't work. Um there's a shot at the beginning of the issue when uh Roderick puts on like the the and costumes and they got all these ha ha's around him like he's laughing, but I just felt that the artwork wasn't quite strong enough and kinda of made him not look as creepy or as defined as he could have. But it was still a nice shot. Uh, I like that there's certain areas of the storyline which really worked with, you know, them. Last issue, it looked like Hobgoblin knew who Spider-Man was, but really, he just... He has the guy who made uh, all the tech for, uh, the, for Spider-Man, so he's really excited about this. And So I actually kind of like that kind of fake-out. I like the idea that Max Modell is kind of, kind of coming around to the idea that maybe, just maybe, he's figuring something out, but at the same time, he hasn't quite. And um, it's just... And then he, Max Modell tries to, to rescue Peter, and it just... This is just really a lot of fun, and there's some interesting things here that, again, this a lot of this issue does work, but some of it didn't. Um, I do did like that the two goblins are facing off. I didn't like that they relatively easily th- put aside their differences to kind of do something for the kingpin and find this case, this goblin key. The idea of the goblin key didn't seem that accurate as well. It kind of felt like an odd thing to tack on. I do like that we have Roderick uh, using the, the back glider and Phil kind of using the wings, so that's cool to see. Um... And the, and the last page is really cool because you have uh, Peter and Max running from these two goblins who are after them. Uh, as much as there might be a few things that don't really work, quite work for me here, uh, for the most part, this is a really good book and I'm sad that it's going to be ending and then I'm really scared about what the change in tone is going to be like because I'm glad that Slots' still going to be writing it so I know that it'll be well written. I just hope it'll have a tone that I'm enjoying because the tone of the original is what kind of, you know, his current Amazing Spider-Man is so perfect. The fact, excuse me, the fact that he's going to be changing that really makes me nervous and not necessarily in a good way. Uh, but I did give this issue a 9 out of 10. Uh, next up is uh, Astonishing X-Men, number 55. Uh, this was not as strong as some of the most recent issues. I've been surprised by this book, because I kind of stopped reading it for a long time. And I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And there's some interesting things going on. Marjorie Lou is actually a fairly good writer. I like uh, their work by Perkins. Um, that being said, this was not the strongest issue at all. I felt it was... Uh, it just kind of lacked a coherence. I do like how uh, Gambit's written here, and the fight sequence is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know. There's some really good things in here, but it kind of made me feel like it, it definitely had this kind of who cares kind of feel to it. It kind of, I don't know. It just it didn't quite fire on all cylinders. A couple, it felt like it was lacking something. The work was fairly solid, but I mean, the story. I just didn't. I didn't really feel invested or uh, really part of it all. So unfortunately, I end up giving that six and a half out of ten because it's not necessarily all that bad. It's just I found it utterly unengaging, and that in some ways is worse. But uh, it, it just it didn't quite do it for me. Uh, next up is Avengers number thirty-two. Uh, so in Avengers. It's the end times. We're coming to the end of Bendis' storylines. Uh, I really didn't like this uh, at all. Um, I gave it a 6 out of 10 because it's hard to acknowledge that there's certain things that were done okay, but for the most part, it didn't really work for me. The artwork was by Mike Mayhew and Brandon Peterson. Peterson's artwork, it was colored well. I just found a... Uh, well, spoiler. I mean, we're going to be talking about spoilers anyway. Uh, the Wasp comes back here, and I felt that just fell flat. I mean, some of the stuff was interesting with uh, Tony and, and uh Hank kinda of talking about the fact that you know there's a signal somewhere and they gotta go find out who's there and not getting too excited about it and you know and then figuring out how to go into this that kind of inner space spot and, and that's all kinda of cool, but again Wonder Man shows up and he just it just feels awkward because Mendes made such a point of making him such an angry person and now he's all like I'm sorry, uh it just it just feels very forced and doesn't fit well with me. and I just I don't enjoy Wonder Man here at all. Like it's just they've ruined his character, and now it just feels worse. Um, the, the Peterson artwork, work again. It, it kind of looks nice. The colors nice, but uh, it, there's like there's a shot of Wasp in here, which with like her butt kind of out and she's got this weird stance, and I'm like that's not Jan uh it just didn't work and she seems and then there's this really odd page and i i if you've read it you'll know what i'm talking about where she kind of runs over and kisses hank and he seems surprised and then i guess she's really kissing thor cap and iron man on like the cheeks and stuff but it really looks like they're just giving her like they're just making out with her right in front of like her husband and she's got like it's just it's just really odd and then right after that there's a shot of uh uh, they're all like smiling so much, and like Hank has some weird, crazy Google eyes, and uh, this just didn't work for me at all. Um, ugh, I just I like the idea that Jan isn't dead, but given everything that had been happening, especially in Avengers Academy, this just felt like it didn't work. It felt too easy. It just felt really stupid, and, and it feels rushed. Um, if this, has been, this is Bennis' last major arc, like this is sad. This is a sad way to go out because it's not well done. And the artwork is all over the place. Mayhu and Peterson are an, an odd, uh, odd two artists to put together and alternate with. Uh, their styles don't quite mesh all that well. Uh, I gave that a, a six out of ten. I just didn't care for it. Next up was AVX Consequences number three. I like this a lot more than the first two issues. I thought it was actually a lot stronger. Again, not so much on the consequences, more just uh, they should just call it the AVX Fallout, not Consequences. Uh, the opening sh- the opening shot has. Um, a really interesting shot of uh, Iron Man just kind of putting up his arm and kind of presenting his package, which is odd, but I think like that he's in Kunlun trying to offer to help them rebuild, and they're kind of like, you know, we can do this on our own, and and Tony kind of being like, well, I've helped out with mystical things before because they helped rebuilding Asgard back way back when, or, or a couple of years ago. Um, I do like, there's a, there's a shot in here where uh, in the prison that they're at, uh, Cyclops and uh, his, I forget even the name of the guy, but the guy he's been spending time with and, in the prison next to him, they're accosted, Um by uh uh some like you know prison guys and and he cyclops easily handles them and takes them out and it actually felt really appropriate because i mean this guy has been training his entire life he's not just about beams; he is about knowing how to take care of himself in a physical way and he can have a physical brawl and take people out so that was really cool there's a, an interesting uh, exchange between uh kitty pride and ember frost which i actually felt was kind of interesting it's the first time we've really seen ember frost since uh, the end of avx so that was interesting and Seeing how she really doesn't like Scott anymore, anyway, so there, that that kind of seems over. Um, I I like having uh, Scott Summers kind of he's still kind of being the teacher. He's he's trying to uh, he's really interesting because the last issue is very much more about him kind of being ready to die, and this issue is more about hopefulness for the future and and what he's been doing and and uh, he's kind of trained, t- taking this new mutant under his wing to try to be, be like this is why I've been doing things. Also in here. It looks like he's communicating with Magneto, which is interesting and odd, but uh it seems somewhat appropriate. Uh o- also here you have uh magic coming and telling Stormworship Combined's Colossus. Um this just there's some interesting stuff in here. And I like the last page with Scott being like, you know, I'm not gonna let them turn me into a yeah, I'm a political prisoner, I'm not gonna let them turn me not gonna let them turn me into a criminal. So I actually really enjoyed this. The last two issues were not strong at all, but this was a lot better. I gave this an eight out of ten. Um, yeah, it was good. Really, I actually, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed some of it. Um, so obviously, this issue was written by Guillen, and our work is by Scott Eaton. Um, better than the last two artists that we've had. Uh, next up is Batman Incorporated, number eight. Sorry, number four. I uh, gave it an eight out of ten. Um, this is an odd-looking book. I liked it a lot more than the Zero issue that we got. Uh, it's by Morrison and Chris Burnham. Uh, pretty good stuff. It was an interesting... Story very action oriented or action packed. It kinda of feels like we're we kinda of getting to the end of this kind of story. We're seeing like the entire uh, Batman Incorporated taking on Leviathan. It definitely felt like a lot was going on. This this is a big story. And um also you see the reveal of uh I think who was it, Batwing or whatever his name not Batwing. Um I apologize, there's a character in here and I can't remember what his name was. Um, uh yeah, i can't find it i apologize i'm just kind of flipping through the issue and trying to see what his name was uh but i can't seem to find it oh wingman sorry wingman was really red hood which seemed an odd uh kind of out of out of, out of uh left field but it did seem interesting that when it comes to being batman incorporated and protecting his real son um batman will bring in everyone and do what he can to stop the leviathan and that's how big a threat leviathan is um so a pretty good issue um I enjoyed it. The artwork it took a while to grow on me, but by the t- end of the issue, I definitely enjoyed it a lot. And again, this felt like there was a, there was a momentousness to this storyline, uh, to this issue. There was a lot going on, and it meant something, so I really liked that. Gave it an 8 out of 10, as I already said. Batman the Dark Knight number 13 is creepy as all hell. Uh, it's written by Greg Hurwitz with artwork by, I believe, David Finch. Um, so this is the Scarecrow storyline. Incredibly creepy. Really well illustrated, and uh, like this is just brilliant artwork. I mean, it is creepy, but uh, deservedly so. Like It's it's trying to be really unsettling, and that's exactly what it is. Um, I really enjoyed this this issue. Um, I have been a big fan of The Dark Knight, but I think now that Greg Hurwitz is writing it, I think he's the right guy to be, write, to be writing this book. I mean, Dave Finch is definitely the right artist, because this is this is creepy Like this is a very different version of Jonathan Crane in terms of his physicality or at times like the Rob, the the mental games that kind of get played when he's taking on Batman uh when Batman's dosed with this new toxin uh this was really really solid and the the last page is really cool too uh with Batman being like you shouldn't have left the you shouldn't have left me in the same room as this suit and I think this is going to be quite the finale. I really enjoyed this. If you're liking, if you like uh, Scarecrow as a villain, and you like kind of the, the creepy version of him, and not as much of like a comic booky version of a character, but or and that it, he's not over the top that way. He's just sadistic, sadistic, and kind of really creepy and unsettling looking. And that for a character like Scarecrow, that just makes a lot of sense. Like he's supposed to be this character that kind of gives you nightmares. Uh, so I really well done. I really enjoyed this issue. Again, Greg Hurwitz is really a nice compliment to David Finch's pencils, and uh, this book seems like it has more of a direction a, and a unique flavor now that it didn't have before. They kind of set it apart from the other Bat books. Uh, so I give this an 8 out of 10. Next up is Captain America number 19. Uh, this is the last issue of Captain America by ever to be written by Brubaker, at least up until now. Um, I was originally going to give this an 8 out of 10, but I'm actually reconsidering It's actually more like a 9. Uh, does a lot happen here? No. Um, it's basically... it's. <laughs> It's kind of odd in some ways because he, it's almost jarring that Brubaker kind of revisits the 50s Cap really quickly, um, but and the issue is a, is very much an extended uh, recap of Cap America's life, um, but even with that, it actually works out really strong. It's it's by Ept, Steve Epting, who is a, a fantastic penciler and who actually started Cap America with him, with Brubaker, what, seven, eight years ago uh, when Brubaker came on the book, and um, extremely evocative fantastic colors in this book because you have some some aspects that are set in the past and then you have certain flashes of color in those uh, in those installments uh you got the 50s cap has been laid up in a in a hospital after having been injured by getting hit by a car um this is just this is a really really strong revisiting of cap america's history and all the things he's been through as a character uh i really enjoyed this this is a great cap <laughs> no no pun intended, but this is a great way to end Brubaker's run on the book. I For the last year and a half, I do think that the super heroic elements have been a little... I mean, they're still good because I mean, Brubaker still knows how to write Cap, but th- this book was best when, well, p- partially when Cap was dead, but even when Cap wasn't dead, when it was more of an espionage and political book, um, political espionage especially is what Brubaker really does well with Cap, uh, whereas this issue... Kind of recaptured that kind of flavor in certain areas, whereas the last year and a half has been much more over the top, super heroics. I mean, part of that also is to do with the creative teams he's had. I mean, he had uh, Steve McNiven to start off with, and that guy doesn't do you know this kind of murky. He does. Uh, bright superheroes, and there's a place for that. It just wasn't as strong as Baker's other work on Cap America as a character. Uh, and there's also a, a nice visual callback to the first issue here uh, when you have Cap America. I believe he's, he's on a train, and he's fighting some, I guess in this case, clowns. But it kind of reminded me of the first issue where he was also on, I think, a train or rooftops. So it was just kind of a similar page, and it was also by Epting, and he's fighting these uh, criminals Um so, or I think in that case it was terrorists. So, no, really, really well done. I get this a nine out of ten. This is this is a very enjoyable book. Uh, that brings us to our second Captain America release this month. Sorry, this week, uh, Captain America and Black Widow number six thirty eight. Uh, this could have been a lot better. It just the artwork is. Uh, I appreciate a different type of style. It's definitely a little bit different. It's by uh, Frank Avila. Uh, Colin Bunn is not my favorite Captain America writer. I don't even know if this this book is going to be as long for this world. I think it's coming to an end soon. I'm not a big fan of the storyline with you got all these different ver- versions of Natasha. Um, you know, try- and Cap America and Natasha trying to get back to their own reality. Uh, especially with we're going to have an upcoming Cap America by Rick Remender and John Reeder Jr. Where it's set on what Dimension Z or something like that. I just didn't really care a lot for the storyline at all. Um... It just—it felt like a kind of a chore of an issue to get through, and that's not—that's never good. Uh, so I gave this a six out of ten. And when it was over, I was just—I was kind of happy, and I don't want to be happy when an issue's over. But it just didn't do a lot for me, and I just was—I was—I felt like I was trudging through it, and that's never a, a good feeling when you're reading a comic. You want to be able to enjoy it uh but it's interesting that it was kind of a weird week because we are seeing the end of captain america we also saw the end of journey into mystery in its current iteration with kid loki as the main protagonist we saw the end of the invincible iron man run by mad fraction we saw the end of uh, ff by jonathan hickman we saw the end of the current incredible hulk run like the, all sorts of stuff was ending this week so it's kind of a momentous week but i wish that more of them were more enjoyable um ff twenty three, which I already mentioned by Hickman. It's last issue. He's already finished off on Fantastic Four. Um, uh, I really like this. It uh, was by uh the artwork is by Jagoda. This was a great kind of revisiting the idea of Franklin and uh this is right before Val leaves to help read in the Fantastic Four issue, uh where she ends up uh kind of taking off for parts unknown to kinda of do other things with. This is a really fun issue. Dragota really makes a fun-looking Leech. Like, he still looks kind of creepy and and, uh, and odd-looking, obviously because of his, his appearance, but there's also kind of a, a sad... There's a sad quality to him, but also a really fun quality to the way he uh, illustrates Leech. Um, and I also really like how Hickman writes Leech, but this is an issue where Fra- the two diversions of Franklin and uh, Leech spend time together, and they're going to this pocket universe, and they're experiencing all these things at once and having all this fun, and then... Uh, Franklin's teaching young Franklin about all sorts of things and, and certain lessons and uh yeah it's just really cool and then at the end of the issue we see uh Franklin is about to take off and he says goodbye to the younger version of Valeria so a lot of good stuff um and the way that Franklin says goodbye to his family is just wonderful and then at the very end and this is this is very um, like it was a very heartfelt issue cuz just before Franklin leaves uh Sue has to ask him like you know, with everything they've been doing, or basically are they good parents? And and frank and uh, Reed kinda of looks at his son and says, Did we do a good job, son? And Franklin just looks at them and then uh just goes, A perfect one. I love you guys and just disappears. And then uh Reed and Sue are left with holding, you know, their young version of Franklin in front of them. So absolutely fantastic. Uh if this was the last issue I ever read of these characters, that would be okay. I'm um, almost I'm really sad to see Hickman leave the Fantastic Four. He did such a wonderful job um, really making me care about all these characters and making the Future Foundation an, a concept that really felt like it worked and was just a lot of fun to read about and the versions of the characters that they used and uh, the whole big like mammoth storyline he was originally uh, developing, which came to a close a few months ago, but which really felt like it paid so much off from its setup. Uh, I'm really sad to see him go, but I give this a, a nine out of ten. Uh, this was so such an enjoyable read. Uh, next up is The Flash number f- uh, thirteen. Um, I don't know why I I just I, I give this an eight out of ten because it it's a solid technical issue. There's just a lot of it that didn't quite work for me. I found the uh the artwork was nowhere near as fluid as it has been in the past. I don't really care about Grotl, this version of Grottle that much and the and the gorillas, nor really the the rogues like I'm kind of all over the place in terms of how I feel about these versions of the rogues uh some bad stuff happens. to trickster here I do like the I do like when flash teams up with the rogues to fight grod that's kind of cool. I don't know. I just feel like we just had some grod stuff and now we're having a major Gorilla warfare a storyline um I mean, it still looks nice. Uh, Manipal and Buc- Buc- Ugh, I Bucciolato have done a great job uh, on the artwork together and also on re- developing the story together. It's just not as strong as it could be. I mean, it's still an enjoyable book. There's nothing that can really say that it's not a bad book. I mean, it's, it's still worthy of being an 8 out of 10. It's just, could it be better? I just feel like it could be doing something a little bit more different, engaging, and, and pushing the boundaries more. Like, the artwork in here didn't feel like it was really challenging the reader as much as he has in the past in terms of what he can do with the art form so it didn't quite do the same so uh, that's a real shame next up is Gambit number four this is a book again that's a waste of potential uh Clayman is a fantastic illustrator Asmus is not doing a good job writing this book uh this I I just don't care about Gambit and this girl he's been hooked up with and this whole storyline and I I didn't care. I um, mean, yeah, if, if you've read it, tell me what happened because I don't really get it. I don't really care. Even the claim our artwork wasn't as good as it could have been. There's it just looked a little awkward and not always all that well illustrated. The storytelling was nowhere near as strong as it could be. Um, I kind of like the ending because we're kind of getting back to where where everything kind of started. Because the first few the first issue was really strong. The second issue was, was was not as quite as strong, but still good. Third issue was a bit of a mess, and this issue just felt like I didn't care. I by the, it just, it's just, the the whole idea, at least the way the, the series was, was originally pitched, was bringing Gambit back to his roots. And then, where do we go? We put him in some weird alien locale with some chick who was, the, was more the main protagonist issue three than even Gambit, and I don't care about her. I don't even care much about what Gambit's written here. It just, it, this just didn't work for me. So I gave that a six out of ten. It just was disappointing. Uh, also disappointing was Incredible Hulk number 15. I really enjoyed a couple of issues ago. Uh, well, first of all, I enjoyed the Stay Angry storyline. I love the the flip side on, you know, Banner's crazy and what's going on, and the Hulk is kind of trying to figure this out and keep keep himself angry as long as he can so that he doesn't turn that back into Banner because then he'll just show up somewhere he doesn't mean to be. Uh, and then the last issue... Eh, eh. I just felt like it had so much potential there and it was a really cool setup. And then now we're just kind of having them working together again and trying to fight against this this weird, these doom bots. And it just didn't really do a lot for me. Uh, I'm interested to see what the next uh, version of uh, the Hulk book will be like because it'll be Lionel Francis' in artwork and, and I believe Wade uh, writing it, Indestructible Hulk, and he'll be an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's cool. Uh, this issue just felt like a kind of it just sputtered to an end. It's like, oh, we got to make sure we finish this storyline. Done. And that's that's all I got from it. Six out of ten didn't do a lot for me. Next up is Invincible Iron Man number 527. Continuing the run of lackluster endings to, to runs on books. This one obviously is a lot longer running than in, uh, The Incredible Hulk, because The Incredible Hulk's only been around a year or so. This one's been around for quite a while. I think, what, four or four and a half years now? Um... You know, it just felt like last issue a lot of things happened and it felt like we needed more of a resolution to it. And this issue kind of jumped ahead and didn't give us that resolution that we were supposed to get. And uh, it just felt like kind of an awkward issue to end on, Uh, especially that it looks like this really issue really confirms what Avengers Assemble said last week. That it looks like that uh, the Iron Man that's on the Guardians of the Galaxy is definitely going to be Tony. I don't know how that makes sense with Greg Land and uh, Fraction... not Fraction... Sorry, I think it's Gien. I you know I don't even know who's writing the new Invincible Iron Man book or Iron Man. Sorry, but that new book. I mean, I guess it's going to take place after he gets back from space, or I'm not really sure. But uh, it, this book, it kind of sets him up to go into space to do other things, uh, and it doesn't. It kind of I, there's a lot of questions and things I would like to have seen resolved from the la- from the entire run, but instead of feeling like this was the end to the run, like. The Captain America issue by Brubaker felt like this was the close of this era. And so he's wrapping everything up together, wrapping up one ongoing storyline because he's wrapping up the idea of the 50s cap and then bringing it to a close. Now here, we feel like he kind of skipped any wrap-up from the last couple of years with of stories and said, set it up for going into space, which is not even going to happen in an Iron Man book. It's going to happen in a different book in a few months. So it just... It felt like oddly placed, oddly positioned, it wasn't really well thought, well thought out. It was an okay issue, it was better than the Incredible Hulk issue for sure, but again, it kind of felt disappointing. Uh, I wanted a little bit more of a resolution to the... Like, for people who've been reading since Invincible Iron Man number one, this just felt like a, a cop-out. It didn't feel like it brought to a close the story threads that deserved to be closed. So that was disappointing. Next up is Journey into Mystery 645. Uh, this was really, really good. I give this a 9 out of 10. I don't even always know what's happening in this book because there's so much going on, but uh, I really love the idea of uh, Kid Loki. Guillen does a fantastic job in the artwork. Um, The uh, artwork... Sorry, on the story. The artwork is by Stephanie Hans. Um, This is brilliant. I mean, I... They're releasing all the Journey to Mystery Trades right now, so I think I'm going to pick up all the trades so I can have it all on my bookshelf and then just blow through the entire storyline at once and just kind of be able to see his entire journey and how it all fits together. This was uh, a sad sad journey. I'm I'm wondering what the end really means. I mean, I love Kid Loki, and it looks like Kid Loki really isn't going to be quite himself anymore. Uh, It's hard to tell. I mean, there's a lot of ambiguity here at the end, but it's quite... This is a... I mean, this, again... This kind of goes to show. This is what Invincible Iron Man didn't do. I mean, this wrapped up in this entire journey that we journey into mystery that we've been following Loki on, and it felt like, it felt earned. It felt like the reader had put in the time and had earned this conclusion. Whereas Invincible Iron Man didn't have the conclusion and just kind of set up for something else without bringing to a close everything we've been following. So this this book got how to do it right. They you had a run on this character. It's changed that version of this character. It's been really really fun to enjoy. This is how you do it, and I just wish that the other one had been able to achieve that. So, yeah, the McGinn does a fantastic job here. Next up is Punisher Warzone, number one. Uh, absolutely adored this. I was a huge fan of Greg Records run of Punisher. I'm extremely sad that, the, that that book has ended. I loved how uh, it kind of concluded with uh, the whole... Sl- I mean, really, that version of the Punisher wasn't even about Punisher. It was about Rachel cole and and it was just so, so gripping. Uh, I just absolutely love that that whole book. Uh, so this new miniseries, Punisher Warzone, definitely follows up directly from what happened at the end of that run, with uh, Punisher having seemingly killed some cops. Uh, so now he's looked at as being a cop killer, and he's more dangerous than ever, and Rachel Kulovs is now in, pre- uh, in custody. Uh, now, on this book, instead of getting Chichito, we got... Um, Uh, Carmine D. J. Domenico uh, on artwork who's one of my favorite illustrators. He's got just an amazing grasp on storytelling and this uh, issue is primarily uh, Spider-Man tracks down Frank Castle and beats the crap out of him. And what I really liked about this is that usually we have Spider-Man going up against his bigger and badder villains and he has to you know, kind of, he's always kind of the underdog, or at least they portray him that way. But here, he is an absolute force. Like this is what Spider-Man's actually like when you have no powers. He is scary, scary, hard, hard to like to fight against. Like he's just brutal. He beats, he's beating up Frank Castle here. There's a lot of, there's a fair bit of blood. There's, he's really not not pulling his punches. Frank goes and takes on, like takes him on, punches him twice straight in the face, and Spider-Man just takes it. He's like, little. It's just, this is a brutal version of Spider-Man, but when Spider-Man's really, um, you know, kind of committed to something, and he's really, you know, no one's, like, especially ever since Dan's thought kind of had that storyline where uh, no one dies. Well, obviously having Punisher Run runs totally is an antithesis to to that. Um, No, this is just great, especially because we're building off of the fact that uh, Frank used one of uh, Spider-Man's web shooters recently, uh, in the last arc of the Punisher book, which he would have stolen during the Avenging Spider-Man uh, crossover Omega effect, this is just really really smart stuff. And then I love the idea that the Avengers kind of get together and Spider-Man's like, "No, we got to take down the Punisher," and they're kind of like, "Well, he's kind of Bush League. Like in their own way, they're not that worried about Punisher um, because at the end of the day, he's killing people, which they, which Spider-Man is really against. But he's also, you know, kind of doing the jobs like he's he's kind of he's handling the street level, which was kind of really interesting and the last uh, little bit of the issue is great panel work and a great concept that uh, punisher goes back to his storehouse and then there's a uh, wolverine showing up and he's like you know just telling him that you know you push too hard the avengers are coming for you and he's just like you know this is a warning that you know they're not gonna put you someplace in prison where you can get still do stuff they're gonna put you in solitary and that'll really kill you and it's just a, a great considering how wolverine is often a jerk these days or is it kind of written that way? This was a great version of him, like understanding that Punisher does do. Punisher does what needs to be done. He's not taking on innocence. He's not a cop killer. And at the end of the day, the people who really know him, or have fought against him, know and understand that he didn't kill no cops. He he has a code. He would only kill those who deserve it. That's what that's his M.O. Um, this is just a brilliant issue. I really love this. Uh, I give this a nine out of ten, and it deserved every number. Um, really, really well done. Next up is Secret Avengers number 33. I'm still not happy that uh, Eric Grady is actually dead, so that makes me sad. Uh, Rick Remender wrote this. Our work is by Kun. Um, I'm not a big fan of the whole Descendants storyline. I mean, the artwork isn't the greatest. Uh, at times, it's a little bit unclear what's happening. It def- definitely felt like if you're going to end this version of the Secret Avengers, this is why we're going to we're going to end it, because they're kind of blowing up their space station, or wherever they usually are. Um I'm not a big fan. I don't really care a lot for uh, Valkyrie and Venom Venom hooking up. So that was a little that felt a little like it uh, rang hollow and not quite true to me. I don't know. I just felt like this. I'm not a big fan of this book. I mean, I don't really care for the Descendants storyline. It's okay, but I just feel like I was really excited that it was almost over, but really it wasn't over at all. So the artwork is, I guess, maybe one of the main reasons I'm not a big fan of the storyline. It hasn't really engaged me on that big a level yet. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, I give it a six and a half out of 10. Next up is Superman number 13. I give this nice big five out of 10. Um, I was excited to, that we're finally getting a more of a, a, solid creative team on here. And hopefully we'll be on here for a while. Cause this is issue 13 and we've had a lot of changes in the Superman book. Uh, the artwork is by Kenneth Ruckefort, who previously did the, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws for most of the first year. Uh, it's being writ- written by Scott Lobdell. Um, this just didn't work for me at all. Uh, there's some stuff here that was cool, but I just, I just don't understand this version of Superman. I'm, and I know it's because it's the new 52 and I'm not used to him kind of being this, like, it's five years later, but they, they, they play him so young. Like, Superman seems like a very young guy and I just don't really care for how he's being written. Him hanging out with Jimmy Olsen and kind of sharing a place with him. Um, he goes in this giant rant against Morgan Edge about, which felt really preachy about the place of uh of journalism and uh sort of journalists and how they're supposed to be representing the truth and not just uh kind of peddling other things and they, whatever happened to truth justice in the American way in terms of journalism it just felt really preachy um and i I like from the certain aspect, I love that Scott Lobdell is kind of pushing Superman out of his comfort zone, and that he won't have a job, won't be working at Daily Google, uh, sorry, Daily Planet. Perhaps he'll be a blogger or something. It's definitely leaning towards something like that, where he'd be more of a crusading blogger that way. But that as a story concept is great and is actually really cool, and it would kind of a Clark being a, more of a guerrilla journalist would actually be a really cool and interesting concept. Uh, and that being said, I didn't like how they did this issue and kind of pull, pulling him away from the Daily Planet. I didn't, I didn't care for that at all um this again and the storyline was very kind of take it or leave it and then at the end supergirl shows up and i don't really care for this hell on earth storylines coming up i don't think it looks all that interesting or engaging uh but in Rockford's artwork it's definitely more of a um, He has a a very definite visual style. I'm not sure if I really like it for Superman, but it definitely feels like you are reading this book and he's got a very clear artistic vision for the book. So I at least appreciate that because the last year we haven't seen a lot of really like, this is what this book is going to look and feel like. We've seen a lot of different artists Kind of portray it a little bit differently, and it, the book just hasn't had a, a certain visual consistency of tone. So although I may not be a huge fan of Rockefeller's vision for the book, at least it feels like he does have an artistic vision for the book and that he has a tone he's going to try to achieve while he's do, um, illustrating Scott Lobdell's writing. Um, so there's something to be said for that. I just didn't really care for it, so I gave this a 5 out of 10. A lot of that is because of the atrocious way in that Lobdell really ha- uh, was ham-fistedly writing a, was Clark's dialogue. Uh, especially when he had his massive outburst at uh, Morgan Edge and had his weird uh, Jerry Maguire moment where only Cat Grant really was feeling him at all, and that doesn't sound right, but uh, where she was the only one who seemed to be caring, and uh, I just didn't care for that much for this. Now, and our last book is Talon Number 1, um, which is by James, uh, apparently it's Tinian, not Tinian, I believe. Uh, he, I really enjoyed how this was written, um calvin rose was an interesting character to read about in the zero issue i'm actually glad that the zero issue happened the way it did and now we had the first issue because i like getting the origin of this character and then actually getting into his adventure i think when the zero issue came out i kind of wondered like what was the point of having a zero issue before the one but i feel like this actually made it worthwhile that one we're getting very clear this is the origin of the character and then this is the actual start of the story that they're going to be exploring in this book so i actually really enjoyed it uh scott snyder actually was i guess the co-writer with uh, James Tenney IV. Uh, We've got Guillaume March and Artwork, who I'm not a huge fan of his artwork, but he does a good job here. Uh, what sets this book apart, and what I appreciated about it a lot and actually made it really enjoyable to me, is that it had a very clear, this is what this book is about, this is what it's planning to do. Um, we set up a very clear, he's not just on the run, but he's he's going to be hunting the Court of Owls as well. So I felt that by having a very definite direction to it, uh, it made a book that could have felt very odd and awkward and kind of oddly placed, and it made it feel like it mattered. Um, so I'm actually really excited to see where this book goes in the future. So that's all the reviews we have for this week. Uh, we have a, a bunch of things I didn't have a chance to get a get a chance to really address or talk about just because I didn't have a chance to read them, and I do apologize. Uh, the books I didn't have a chance to really uh, to go through were All-Star Western, number 13, um, Also from DC, National Comics, Madam X, number 1, Fables number one twenty two from DC Vertigo, uh, Justice League Dark number thirteen. Uh, sorry, it was Fables number twenty twenty two. I don't know if I said the number. I Vampire number thirteen, Red Lanterns number thirteen, Savage Hawkman number thirteen, Teen Titans number thirteen. And then from the Marvel side, we had Darede- Deadpool number sixty three. Uh, I believe uh, Ultimate Comics Ultimate number seventeen. What a ridiculous name. Uh, Wolverine number three fifteen. Wolverine Max number one, and Extreme X Men number five. Uh, so unfortunately I didn't have a chance to get to any of those books this week. I might, have, I might address some of them next week, but I doubt it just because, uh, generally speaking, I mean, every week is usually pretty busy, um, in terms of comic releases. Uh, this coming week, uh, it's Halloween, so, uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any Halloween themed books, although i not, I don't think there are going to be any, um, in terms of upcoming episodes, this is obviously was episode 21. Next episode is episode number 22, which will be a Heroclix-related episode for our, our fans of our Heroclix podcast, our 5th such podcast. We'll be talking actually about a smorgasbord of things. We'll be going over recent comic books, sorry, uh, Heroclix news, uh, new dials that have been coming out recently. We'll also be addressing... Um, A new segment that we have where uh, both my guest and I, who in this case will be Nathan Strzok, we have memorized the dial, or at least tried to memorize uh, how a dial plays, and so we'll have uh, game-specific scenarios to kind of see how well the other person has uh, actually understood that dial based on what their reaction would be to a certain scenario. Uh, We'll also be talking... Uh, about our favorite kind of Halloween or horror horror oriented uh, hero clicks, uh, and then after that we've got episode number twenty three, which will be next week, which will be a comic reviews episode. Uh, episode twenty four, which will be uh, early November, I think November sixth or seventh, will be an episode which, which we uh, have done called Spotlight on Women in Comics, uh, and then we'll have more reviews episode the week after. Uh, we'll also be in the middle of November, November 14th, we'll be addressing our top five favorite Wolverine storylines. So we have a lot in the pipeline. So, uh, if you've been enjoying our podcast, please continue to download those episodes. And, uh, hopefully we'll have some really good content coming for you from those episodes. Uh, if you want to send us an email at all, you can do so at comic shenanigans at, uh, gmail.com uh we're also now on facebook as well uh so the again we're comic shenanigans and so be sure to like us on facebook and you can send us messages there as well if you have any questions comments concerns about the podcast we're happy to uh, take any such uh, feedback uh anyways thank you for joining us for this review episode again we this was episode number 21 as we looked at all the comics released on wednesday october the 24th and be sure to uh, stay tuned in the next couple days as you'll be able to download our episode focusing uh our next hero clicks related episode so thanks again and uh make sure to have a great shenanigan bye bye